Hello and welcome to another episode of Hughes of Love. Mm-hmm. I'm your host, Marcus, and since I found my wife, I found a good thing. My co-host, Kisa. What's up, what's up, what's up? How you feeling? I am feeling all sorts of stuff. I don't know. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like this week has been so much. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, but I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, well, I think overall this weekend or this week has been um, pretty good, but I think um, it's kind of been a roller coaster of a week news wise. Yeah. Um, On one hand, you know, Derek Chauvin was found guilty on three counts of murder for the death of uh, George Floyd. And, you know, some people see that as a as a victory against corrupt policing of black and brown people. Others see it as um, a detriment to police being able to effectively doing their jobs. Um, but, you know, no matter how you feel about that, either way, as soon as, you know, we we experienced that. Um, police in Ohio were responsible for killing the 16-year-old Micaiah Bryant. And I think there was a lot of, you know, controversy surrounding that. Now, some thought that it was a justified shooting, um, while others thought, here we go again, you know. um, And I understand both sides, um, but I think for me, this time around, for whatever reason, I thought about the family. As a parent, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, it's a tragic loss. So um, I think I then started to think about other kids and young people like Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Cameron Tillman. And I mean, the list goes on. This is not at all exhaustive, but I just think about as a parent how you must feel. Like, is is it necessary to to go that length. Right. So, you know, I have five beautiful black kids and my mind goes to at any time they could be viewed as a threat instead of a young, vibrant, joyful, innocent blessing that that came from God, right. that God gave us. And so, you know, this topic isn't about bashing cops or opining political beliefs, but it's more or less um, the concern, the worry, the fear that the anxiety we have raising black kids in America. Right. Um, while we can argue how great it is, you know, of a nation we are and how things have changed and have gone, you know, have, have progressed and gotten better. And they have in, in some ways, um, some, some ways though, you know, things have not changed. Right. And I think that it, it becomes really difficult to, um, to overlook how things have not changed, especially because, um, it's in the news. It's in the news frequently. It's in the news constantly. It's in the news. And it's just, 
you know, constantly being traumatized. Um, I know for me, you know, I think we all go by our own experiences and what life looks like based on, you know, how we live, the, the experiences that we, we encounter, um, specifically since this is about, you know, policing and um, raising black kids. Um, I know for me, like r growing up, I didn't have a lot of negative experiences with police, but, you know, I certainly have had some. I've had some, some good experiences as well. Right. Um, I think the issue, though, comes, uh, it, it becomes, but what happens when you run into that bad apple, mm. you know? Yeah. So I can think of, of two instances where um, there was a situation that happened that, you know, could have gone really wrong. Um, but I think that the officer was doing his job well. Okay. And I could think of an, of, um, an instance where uh, I kind of feel like you may have been overstepping your bound or just trying, just, trying just reaching for something. Yeah. yeah. So there was this one time and for the, uh, to, to, um, preserve the, the, the people involved to not, uh, make them look so badly because we, we've probably mentioned them. I won't say any name specifically. But it's a good friend of mine. Okay. Um, and I think I think I've told you this story before, but there was one time back in in college we were um, on the the um, choir, and we had just finished, so we were on our way home. And this particular person had a BB gun. And the BB gun was in the back seat. Well, it was on their seat, but on the back where it has the little, oh, like, the little like books and stuff, books yeah, and stuff like that. Okay. So it was it was it was not it was at night. Um, he was in the in the right hand lane, and he really quickly got into the left hand lane because he was supposed to turn. I guess somebody gave him the directions too late. Cop he was driving. Correct. Okay. He was driving. Cop pulls him over. This is all legit. That's how it should have, you know, erratic driving, so on and so forth. <clears throat> so the cops pull up, and all I hear is, is it real? Is it real? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Is what real? Exactly, because it's, it's dark. Um, we're on our way, you know, home right. from from um, from from practice, and I'm just trying to get home. Just, right. I figured it'd be a really quick, you know, thing. So anyway... He said, he told me to keep my hands on my lap. And then he instructs me to open the car door, go to the back, pats me down, so on and so forth. I realized then, because I didn't see it, but he, he was referring to the, the, the um, pellet gun. And, you know, they take it out, they inspect it, see that it's fake, tells him, you know, basically, don't you ever do that again. This could have ended poorly, but that, I think, <clears throat> was an example of somebody whose life really could have been, you know, 
in 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 jeopardy. Right. I didn't know it was there, but he doesn't know that. He also doesn't know that it's not real. Right. And it could have ended poorly, but you know, we all got a really nervous chuckle out of it. Um, had a really interesting talk when we got home, but that was it. You know, that was it. There was another time, um, and and I should say, like I was, like I said, I was in college, so I think late teens, early. I was probably early twenties. Okay. Um, but the one time that I'm I'm about to share, I might have been about fourteen or fifteen. Okay. Don't think that I was driving because I was. You were walking. fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was walking. I remember this when you said you said you were walking. Yeah. Right. So I was walking from my house to my grandma's house. She lived just under a mile away, so that was a walk that I did probably every day. Right. Um, if you squint hard enough, you could have seen her house from yours. Right. Really. It was literally <laughs> on the same street. Yeah. It was just as it was. You didn't it even was have to cross the street. It was a straight shot. A straight shot. Yeah. yeah. So I was walking to our house, and then um, a cop was in the parking lot. I think he stopped in front of me. And he approached me and he had his hand on his gun and he told me to um, take my hands out of my, my pocket. It was probably um, late fall, early winter. Right. So, so you're cold. I had a coat on. I probably had a, I don't think I had a hat on actually. Right. But, but I had was... a coat on and so I had my hands in my pocket. Right. It's cold. That makes sense. Right. Um, but he approached me and asked me for my name, probably asked me, you know, for an ID, something like that. And basically, and, and so this wasn't like a stereotypical, he said, I fit the description of so-and-so. And then he started outlining exactly what the description was. And basically, I it fit wasn't that. You. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to say that he was right or wrong at that point. I don't really, I don't want to say I don't care, but. Once you gave him his your name, though, I don't understand how you continue to fit a description. Well, that, that see, but that wasn't even that wasn't for me the worst part. No more than two minutes later. Yeah, I remember this part. This it gets worse. Yeah, my brother, I I don't know why we didn't leave at the same time, but we were both going to my grandparents' house. Maybe he had to do something before he left, but anyway, he was he was a minute or two behind me. It was probably close to a minute because, like I said, I saw the same interaction that he had with me, with my brother. So he did the exact same thing, the exact same thing. And of course, again, he fit the description. I had braids at the time. Right. You guys didn't even look alike to both of you fit the same description. My brother had like a fade or something like that. Yeah. Like hairstyle was completely different. I had boots on. My brother had sneakers. We had different colored jackets. We had different colored jeans. We Everything was different. So the same thing, like, what I heard was, you're black. Right. You That's fit what the, I heard. Yeah. I, I right. fit the description of the color, but of nothing black else. black male. Yeah. And, you know, nothing really came of it, but I, I just remember how it felt. Right. Um, and so just, you know, different things like that, I think play through my mind you like i said you interact with anyone that you have a you know and that, that you come in contact with based on prior relationship and so some of the things that you think aren't even necessarily thoughts that you you would have normally but it's just kind of like subconscious like 
in general, I could be completely right. If I see a cop and I'm driving, I freeze up. I don't have to have I I don't have to have done anything wrong, but like I just know that there's like a a shock to my body, and it's just like oh man, I, you know, let me make sure I'm slowing down. Let me sure, and you know I. I it's just not a good feeling. These are people who are, you know, to protect and serve. And again, I say this, this is not a cop bashing episode. This is just my personal experience, my thoughts and my feelings. Right. Um, <clears throat> so saying that, you know, having said all of that, you know, with all of these things in the news, it's like more trauma, more trauma, more trauma, more fear, more, th and I get it. You know, the, what the news does is sensationalize story and they tend to make them seem worse. Now, this is a worst case scenario. Somebody lost a life, but it may seem like it happens more often than it does. Like I said, I had, I can count on one hand how many negative interactions I've had with a, with an officer. Um, and for the rest of my life, I might never have another one. I might never have a, a, a another bad interaction. But it's I don't the even think... fear and the thought that it could happen. Yeah, well, I think nowadays, too, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a bad interaction with an officer. Um, like, we just had an inc incident, what, not even two years ago, a year ago, where you had a major incident, and it was because of somebody else's fear. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah. like, see, I wouldn't even think I forgot about that. Yeah. So I think about like when I think about these situations, like for me, it becomes not even necessarily the officer. It's the leading up to. Right. And so it's like. Like the kids, I look at them and I'm like, at what point in time is somebody going to start thinking that there's. Well, let's share the story, because I mean, that I think that's important to say I was working. I was at my part time job at the time. Um gas station and i received the call i got a call and the person on the you know on the other line said hey hey are you okay <laughs> thinking to my mind like yes i am <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm i'm fine they said yeah there, there's um there's there's somebody in there with you they're they're behind the counter and i'm thinking behind I, I literally, what counter? I literally <laughs> looked around the store and yeah. i'm like are you talking about the right story? No, like, no, there's not. I'm right. the only one here. Yeah, there, there's somebody with like long braids and I have locks. So I'm thinking. Okay, now you're talking. I have locks. Right. Are you talking about me now? It yeah. got super quiet. And then the person like hung up. So I'm like, here we go. Right. No more than maybe two minutes later, um, an officer came in and was like, Hey, and he had this like smirk on his face. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like, it wasn't nothing like negative. It was kind of like that, that nervous or embarrassed, hey, I got to do my job type thing. But um, you have to, you even have to like backstep though, that that officer. I was going to say that. Okay, go ahead. Um, but he said, hey, we got a call that, you know, somebody was in here robbing the place. And he was like, I know I was I was obviously in here with you earlier because he came in like 
toward the beginning of my shift. And he's like, you know, I apologize, but, you know, we kind of have to follow through with this. You know, we have to, you know, write a report, basically. Right. I know that you're not, you know, I see you have your badge, you have your, you work here. Like, I know you work here. I just was in here getting coffee from you. Right. However, somebody looked through a window, saw a black man, and called the cops that you were robbing the place that you actually Didn't even come in. Yeah, they didn't even come in. They stored it. They were in the parking lot. They... I, man, I don't, I don't, I, I can't even fathom the thought right. process. And see, but that's the thing though. Like it's situations like that, that progress very quickly because like when you came home and you told me that I was like, oh my goodness, because just as fast as that person was quick to just call the cops, had it not been a cop that you interacted with because they heard it was a robbery, things could have gone very differently. And it's just like, why you know what i mean like why why is it because you could not like in your mind you could not have come to the conclusion that the person was that you were just working there like like you didn't even come inside so how could you look through a window and just assume i think that's probably the thing that worries me the most is the assumption Mm -hmm. that the color of our skin is dangerous that the color of our skin is something to be feared mm-hmm. and that the only way to resolve a situation is through aggression. Right. And more times than not, we see that that's not even like the outcome did not at all justify mm-hmm. what happened. Like there was so, there's so many different ways that things could have happened. So I don't know. Like, I just, like, for me, that's just the thing that keeps revolving in my mind is I pray every day that people see our children for who God made them to be. Right. And not think that because he created this beautiful skin color that it's dirty, that it's wrong, that he made a mistake. Because dangerous. Yeah, and that it's dangerous because, you know, I guess what bothers me the most is, like, God doesn't make mistakes. He didn't make, he made multiple colors for a reason. We are all made in his image and to glorify him. And it is beautiful to him. And so to say, or to think, or to respond that he did something wrong is just, it's totally perplexing to me. It's so perplexing to me. And then the idea of, you know, I know for us, it doesn't matter where you come from or what status you have or anything like that. We've all had this experience, right? And so it's like, even for our kids, we can give our kids the world. And yet at the end of the day, oftentimes there's, they could still be looked at as just being some dangerous, like our son, some dangerous black kid. And you have no idea that this kid has an Ivy league degree and, you know, fortune 500, like it doesn't matter. Yeah, And I think that's the hardest part is it's like, I can give my children the world and they can have everything perfect in terms of what is perceived to be like the ideal per- person. And yet somebody can still look at them and think something bad about them just because of the color of their skin. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah, it's rough. Um, I think... I mean, there's so re- there's so many reasons why it does happen. 
Um, and there's, there's so many reasons why it continues to happen. I mean, I even had a conversation with a coworker at my, my full-time job, probably, well, I wouldn't say hours, but same, you know, the same day it happened, basically. Um, and, you know, I really enjoyed this coworker. I would say that, you know, he's a, a coworker friend. Um, I enjoy his perspective, but this particular day, I think that his perspective was based on his experience as a white man. Right. A white man will typically more times, more often than not, not think that way. The thought would not cross their mind about, you know, being worried about this interaction. Um, oh, that, yeah. I, uh, oh, God. And then I want to tell you. But, you know. Or I want to tell them. I mean, <laughs> we're so good in, in conversation and so much forgetting that we're recording a podcast. Um, but, you know, so I, I basically explained the situation to them. I explained what happened. I explained how confusing it was that this was the thought that went through this person's head. All they had to do was sit, if they, if they genuinely thought that something was happening, all they had to do was sit and watch. I don't even understand how somebody's mind could even go there. Like, right, I don't either. Like that idea was, is perplexing. I was doing one of two things. I was standing at the register right? or I was cleaning something or putting something out. None of those things looks suspicious. Yeah. Um, that it doesn't look mischievous. It doesn't look But I think that's malicious. the thing though. It doesn't, it, like, there's nothing that I was doing that could have even appeared like wrongdoing. But that's what it was. And in I, I believe from his experience, his thought process was, I'm not sold on that. I think it could have been something else. Well, maybe they were this. Maybe they thought this. Maybe well, I they... think it's difficult to actually, I think it goes so deep because if you acknowledge that there's an issue, you have to acknowledge a lot of other things are wrong too. Mm. It's easier to blame or to dismiss than it is to look at the truth behind the situation right. and acknowledge it and then have to deal with it. But um, it reminds me of, um, I forget what I was watching, but this uh, it was a white family and their son played football and his best friend was another black boy on the team. And the mom was saying how it broke her heart that when her son was going out by, herself, by himself, she didn't have to have a conversation about the cops. She said it didn't even dawn on her but for when her son was in the car with his best friend then she made sure to talk to them about how to be safe because she knew not for her son but for his best friend they needed to respond a certain way and for in order for his life to be preserved and she was talking about how it it really broke her heart because she was like i see this boy and i see him as another son but i know the world sees him as a black boy first and the fact that she knew and could recognize that she never had to have that conversation with her son, but for when he was with his friend. 
like that hurt because how many times I know for me growing up and you know, I think we, we both have growing up in very suburban life, private schools, great incomes, you know, great upbringing. And yet my parents still had to have conversations with me on how to respond, you know, if I was pulled over and how to act in a situation um, and circumstances and when to stand up and when to sit down and when to do these and how to respond to certain things. And it's like, these are things that we already have had to talk to our kids about. And it's like, it is 2021. Why are we still having these same conversations? Because it's not new conversations. It's conversations that our parents heard from their parents and their parents heard from their parents and their parents from their parents. And it's just like, why? I think that's the frustrating part. Why are we still here? Why is it that, you know, I have to tell my kids um, to make sure that if we go into a store, never to bring anything in with you because somebody is going to think that we stole it. You know, if you bring a toy, even if I can prove that we bought it, just it's better to not bring it at all. It's that idea of, you know, you need to make sure that every time we leave the house, you are presentable and look a certain way. Because if we go outside in our pajamas, somebody's going to perceive us as X, Y, and Z. Or if we, if my hair is not done, somebody's going to perceive me as this. Even if it's just, I ran outside. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm well aware of the way that we have to walk in this society in order to be perceived a certain way and it's just it's frustrating um because you always feel like your guard is always up you always feel like you have to be on your a game and then to have to teach your children that same thing is just it stinks sometimes it's like i want my kids to like and then i think it's hard too like when you go places and you see other people's kids just doing whatever and you're like my kid could never act like that right. like if my right. kid act like that i can tell you the 20 million different ways somebody would judge me Simply because, and I've been judged, right? Like, and it's not, I'm not saying these things just because it's like what I think it's the reality and experiences that I've had. Yeah. Um, And so I don't know, it's frustrating and it's difficult because it's like, are, is this the reality that my kids are going to inherit? Like, is, is this going to be when they start having children, these conversations that they're going to have to have? And, you know, now that they're getting older and they have these questions and they see these things and it's just like, ugh. When is the cycle going to end? Yeah. And I've, I've had the talk with my oldest son, Stephen. Um, and I'm pretty sure, I, I, I think, you know, he mentioned that his mom had a talk with him as well. But, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to talk to them about it. It's another thing to experience that. You know, right? And um, it's and not a realize... one, It's not a one and done thing. It's something that I think you have to revisit regularly. Right, and that I think, but that's the hard part, though, is it's that we have to do this. Like, it's not that like no parent wants to sit down and have a conversation on, you know, this is how you handle if you get pulled over, or this is how you handle if you're in, you know somebody's backing you into whatever the case may be. Do you know what I mean? Like no parent wants to have that conversation, but we also recognize as parents, it's an absolute must that we have these conversations. And so even right now for our baby, he's borderline two in a couple of months, Mm -hmm. but 
I remember the day I was so excited to find out that we were having a boy. And then in a blink of an eye, I was just like, oh my gosh, we're having a boy, you know? And it was just that like, oh. The joy with the catch. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean. And I talked about that before with a friend. I was like, you know, the hardest part about it is, is that reality at what point in time is somebody going to see my cute, my, my gorgeous little dude. Mm-hmm. And they're going to stop thinking he's a cute little guy and start seeing him, whatever they perceive him to be, even though that's not the case. Right. Like, that's hard. That's that's a really difficult reality to have to face. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a it's a it's a weird balancing act because, you know, like like I've said, probably like twice now, it not all. Officers are bad. No, we have. I have officers in my family, so it's not even like we're saying cops are bad. And, you know, I mean, beyond cops in general, not all people are bad, but there are people who do not look like us who will not um, assume the best of us. Right. And it's, it's strange, especially, you know, as a believer, um, relaying that message of um of caution because you know we, we are to love all people right we're, we're to um treat people kindly and it's kind of like well what what do i do how do how do i explain that to them how do i how do i get them to understand that you know you can still be polite you can still be um respectful but you know, if you get that feeling, if you get that weird, you know, feeling in your gut to be on on your guard and to be alert and to be aware of your surroundings and aware of where your hands are, it reminds me of um, this one poem um, by Javon Johnson. Um, I think it's called, I think the one I'm thinking of is called Because He's Black. And it's basically um, he's he's outlining a day that he was spending with his nephew, and they were having you know a good time laughing and joking. He's asking questions, and you know uh, his nephew sees a a, um, a cop car coming by, and he says, "Oh shoot, Uncle, we got a duck five o something like that." And it's like he's painting this picture of at a young age, his nephew knew to fear police. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's also one of the things that I I don't, I don't want that for my children. I don't want them to fear, but I want them to be cautious. I want them to be aware because again, I'll continue to, you know, reiterate this point. I could count on one hand how many negative interactions I've had with officers. In fact, a, quite a few of them have been pleasant, good, even when the situation didn't necessarily call. They're people too. But the fear, we have friends that the are danger, yeah. you know, the fear and the danger of someone having to act in a split second right. or somebody who is ill-prepared or somebody who genuinely just doesn't like black or brown people and unfortunately those people are out there you know right um yeah and i like i get i said before i think 
I think officers and then I think past officers. And yeah. that's where I get like, every time I hear another one of these stories, I'm just like, Ugh. yeah, because there's a there's <laughs> been a lot of I mean, I th I think that <clears throat> people have outside of officers, you know, doing whatever dirty work or whatever, but people have definitely weaponized officers to their benefit. Right. And that's what, well, that's on. what bothers. I mean, think, I think that's what concerns me is that um, for no good reason. Especially since there's nothing, um, um, there's, there's nothing on the books um, across the board for um, there to be charges for people who erroneously, intentionally call the police when, you know, someone was not doing, and, you know, you can argue, well, it might be difficult to, I don't think it's that difficult. I really don't. No. Um, yeah. it, it costs you nothing to mind your business. <laughs> it, it costs you nothing to mind your business. Facts. Especially Understand when there's a there's a there's a time and a place danger right and, and you're just, just being reckless just because you because you feel like reckless. you have the, no well, I mean no, reckless in the sense of I because say you that. feel like you because have the you're right playing with somebody's life yeah. or potentially playing with somebody's life yeah I don't know this is, I think it's just tough I think that being a brown person in America. Um, it's a tough situation. You know, we rely fully on God to, you know, walk our lives out daily with, um, but we are reminded of, you know, when these situations happen of where we live and um, the reality of what that looks like where we live. And so, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic that my children, it doesn't stop me from believing that my children will have a great life. It doesn't oh, stop me from believing that my children will be successful and they will do whatever God intends them to do with their lives. Um, it's just, you're also aware that I am raising black kids in America. In a lot of ways, I think that, that this coming generation will have benefits that even we didn't. And I think that our generation made a lot of steps. A lot of the, I think the, the steps forward came from the younger generation. Um, a lot of those old ideals came with an older generation. Right. And they're unfortunately the reason why those ideologies continue to persist. Right. But, you know, I, I, I guess the question is, you know, well, how do we fix it? And I, I don't think that there's any one thing that fixes all but yeah. you know going back to the conversation with my coworker, even though the conversation that we had I did at the at the time in the beginning of the conversation I didn't feel um heard or that my thoughts and feelings were validated the one thing I do like about this person is even if we don't see eye to eye, at some point he'll take the time to consider the other person's, you know, point of view. And he apologized and considered the fact that, man, maybe, maybe I see things the way that I do because I don't have to fear. I don't have to think about that. Right. And, you know, it's really messed up that you had to go through that. 
And I think that when we communicate and get to learn about people, get to learn people and the different things that they go through, a couple of things happen. We, We fear what we don't know or who we don't know. But if we if we begin to get to know each other and build those bridges, there's nothing to fear because I know I know who you are. Right. It's that uh what is that commercial? Procter and Gamble. If you guys have not seen that, um actually we should we'll tag it to our Facebook page. There is a commercial from Procter and Gamble that they made maybe about a month ago. Yeah. Um, and it's phenomenal. And it just shows how um, the really the black community has been perceived as a certain way. But when you watch the video, it's the reality of what that misperception has done to the culture um, and to the ideas of what people think black and brown people are. It's a really, really good one. In yeah. fact, one of it actually made me cry because I have been in the shoes and I was like, oh my goodness, I've been there so many times simply because somebody assumed something that wasn't at all accurate. Specifically, if you care to share. Oh, it was um, there in the video. There's a woman who is pregnant and she's standing outside of the grocery store. She's pregnant. And she has like, I think two to maybe three little kids with her. Um, And um, as you're watching the video, um, a lot of people's minds, I guess, when you read the comments and stuff like that, and just naturally your mind goes to, oh, she's probably a single mom. She's, you know, on welfare, blah, blah, blah. blah, And then um, in the video, her husband pulls up with the van. So he just went to get the car for her. and she's standing there with the kids. And I have been in that situation so many times. I've had grocery store workers put in, um, what is that? The the EBT. EBT card when I'm trying to pay for my groceries, when I have my kids with me, um, even though I'm trying to pay with my bank card and I don't have <laughs> EBT, um, but they assume that I do because I have multiple children completely bypass the ring on your finger. Yeah. I've had people ask me how many kids, like, oh, do all your kids have the same dad? Um, we've had situations. I mean, when we were pregnant, when, when I was pregnant and we went, I had a high risk pregnancy and we were at the hospital like every week and every week they would ask us, oh, do, do you have the same last name? Are you guys married? Cause I'm just wearing a ring for fun and we're the same people that show up and see you in your face every week. And every week we tell you we're married. Um, I've had nurses ask me um, if I was paying through, what is it? Medicaid, whatever the case may be. If I was using like government insurance and stuff to fund my pregnancy, like just ridiculous things that I feel like outside of me being a black woman, you'd never ask me or you'd never assume. It's just, it just hits home the reality that you're a black person in America, right? Um, You're walking around doing everything. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm doing the same thing that my counterparts doing. Like, Hmm. but for whatever reason, you looked at me and assumed you know 
the situation simply because of the color of my skin. Yeah. So, I mean, in addition to, you know, just having these conversations um, with, with people around us and people who we work with and people who we live with, I think it's also important for the officers who are policing these areas to get to know the people in the area. Oh yeah. I I am a big um believer in community policing. I think that it's so much easier to make decisions based on people that you know. Right. I or mean, even yeah. When you make yeah. decisions and you're not even based saying necessarily living there, but just you, getting it's to hard them. to it's hard to it's hard to know what a person is thinking or what their actions are. If it's a stranger, you don't right. you don't you don't know. But if you know that a person is up three AM because they're on their way to work or they they exercise at that time because they just got off. Right. Or that's just the time that they like to exercise because yeah. their day is so busy and 3 a.m. is the only time where they have quiet time to do it. It's not suspicious. Right. Like, to see is, them it's, jogging. It's, it's, it, and I, I'm using air quotes. I don't necessarily think that's suspicious, but like, it's suspicious if you don't know the person. Right. But like, I mean, how many times has that happened, you know, where somebody is stopped or or detained for quote unquote suspicious behavior and they're not doing anything really suspicious suspicious or out of the ordinary yeah. but it's because you haven't built that relationship and i'm not saying that that works everywhere certainly there are times or areas um you know huge cities where that might not necessarily be possible but we we live in little harrisburg is definitely possible right um I mean, we see officer, we see police all the time, but they don't really come around. They don't really engage with the community that I've seen. Um, but I don't know. And there's a lot of things, you know. Well, we don't live, it, and again, we don't, they may not because we live in the suburbs. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the interaction is. Um, be the same as in the, in the inner city. It. I know they do do more in things general, there, though. I do know that they do host um, events and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but I think that it needs to happen more often. Oh, I know they. they I don't. Yeah. Community. I mean, community policing is it's a thing. So I'm not saying that it's not. Yeah, it's I'm just saying that happening, but because of where we particularly live, I don't know if they find, and I don't want to say that it has to be necessary, but I also don't. Mm. Just because we live in the suburb don't mean anything. So what? A black a black family. No, I'm not in... saying that. I'm just saying I don't know. If a black family moves into a neighborhood, and you know, let's just say because this has actually happened several times, where they're moving into a neighborhood. I mean, literally moving into the house, and you know, cops are called on them because somebody didn't know. Now, granted, if they're just moving in, there's not a whole lot of time for them to know, but I'm just saying in general, I think that even that's important to know just because 
Um, but whatever the case, you know, um, I think that we really just have to get to know one another, you know. I know this episode was heavy, but, you know, I think that it's one of the things that's really important for families to have. Like, these are conversations that they have to have. And, you know, as parents, it's, it's important to voice our concern and share our experience with, you know, with our children. Um, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's important to share other people's experiences with your children as well. Um, I think that, I think you said that, how do we fix this? I think a lot of times we stay in our own little bubbles. I don't, I'm the type of person that has friends all across the board, but I think a lot of people stay in their own little bubbles and their own little communities. And I think that if you reach out and find out what other people are living like, or ask questions or be uh, willing to be uncomfortable and have conversations that are needed, right. Um, things can change Absolutely. and will change. And I do think even as families, like we are, you know, really pulling back a layer here and giving, you know, real life experiences that we had. And I know I've had these conversations with some of my um, white friends and they're like, that really happened to you guys. And yeah. it's like, yes, it really did. And I know you don't see us in these spaces. And so when you hear it on the news, you're like, Oh, well, something had to happen until you hear that it's, somebody that you go out to dinner with or mm. somebody that you, your kids play with, you know? And so I think that's the thing is when you have these uncomfortable conversations and we share our realities, I think it makes it real. The reality makes it real to people who otherwise have would never known other than seeing it on the news. All right. So now we are going to uh, talk about our nugget of knowledge. This is, this has been a really heavy episode, so we'll just jump right in. Um, I think for me, my nugget of knowledge is that we just have to be open to hearing other people's experiences and their truths behind what they go through and be willing to learn from those things and to um, grow from them and to not make the same mistakes again. Um, yeah, I just, I just think that if people were more willing to not make assumptions, things would look a lot different. Yeah, I think that, you know, even as um, a Black parent, um, some of the fear isn't necessarily real, but surely there is, you know, danger out there. And uh, I think that it's just about sharing those feelings and getting to know one another and understanding that, you know, this is where I stand. And not everybody's going to like you. So, you know, I mean, but at least if I know where you stand on that, right? I know that, that that's where you are and I'll, I'll leave you alone. Right. Um, I think that my nugget of knowledge would be um, parent, prepare, and plan. And what I mean by that is, as a parent, we not only teach our children, um, we teach our children our experiences, we teach our children um, 
you know, how to interact or how to um, do things correctly. And that's just in any, any um, you know, any area, whether it's how to fix a car, how to fix a flat, different things like that. But, um, you know, I think it's just a matter of sharing what things will yield a more um, desirable result. I think that um, teaching kids manners and respecting elders and respecting authority, at least for me, you know, is one of the things that, at least regarding this topic, um, I feel goes a long way. Right. Um, I think that um, preparing them uh, for the best, but letting them know that, you know, sometimes things don't go the way that we plan and just giving them a fair, balanced, um, you know, dose of reality. Most times you interact with people, there's not going to be an issue, but there are also times when there could be. But this is how you can best navigate through those those situations. Right. So, you know, um, it's not about focusing on the negative. It's not about fearing someone or what could potentially happen. Not everybody's um, experience is going to be the same. Um, but letting them know that, you know, there are times that those things do happen, but this is how you can best navigate through those through those situations. Right. So. We would really love to hear um, if you guys have had to have the talk with your kids and um, how that went. Tell us about your experience explaining um, how to interact with law enforcement or how to behave during traffic stops or anything related to that. Um, head on over to our Facebook group page, Hughes of Love, and just let us know. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep, keep on, on loving. loving.